morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. I'm Ali Amagasu, and you're listening to Cloud Unfiltered. Today's guest is coming to us from Washington State, I believe. Her name is Ann Bertuccio, and she is the market, a marketing manager with the OpenStack Foundation, as well as community manager with Kata Containers. Welcome, Ann. Thank you so much for having me. We are thrilled to have you here today. Also with me it, for his third episode straight is my good friend, Pete Johnson from Cisco. Hey, Pete. Hey, Ali. Thanks for having me back. I'm really looking forward to this one. I was big into OpenStack in the tail end of my HP days. I feel like my knowledge is lacking a little bit now. So I'm hoping Anne can help me refresh uh, what I need to know about OpenStack. I feel like mine is lagging too. And that's part of the reason actually that I reached out to you, Anne, was I was looking at a lot of the announcements coming out of the uh, summit and I was thinking, huh, didn't know that, didn't know that, didn't, didn't understand this was becoming such a big thing. And I thought I need to, I need to be brought up to speed. So hopefully you can do that for us as well as for the rest of our audience. Um, before I dive into that, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about how you got into tech in the first place? Yeah, so I've been with the foundation um, going on three years now. And it's kind of a wild story about my transition in technology. I uh, originally was working in renewable energy policy. And one of the biggest projects I worked on was within the renewable energy. Um, there's a lot of space with interaction with data centers and different tech groups for obvious reasons. And uh, I found myself working more and more with some large data centers in the Pacific Northwest. And at, you know, the first time I signed my life away to enter one, I was like, what is this? What is that? And like, that's for cat photos, that's for food photos. And it was just, it was fascinating. I was really interested. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time hanging out with some folks that were personally passionate about open source. I'm internally a little bit of a crunchy hippie. And I think as they were explaining the philosophy to me, it really resonated. It, it matched my worldview quite a bit. So after that, um, you know, the rest was history, just kind of self-taught, immersed in as much as I could and have been finding my way ever since. Self-taught. So you did not go to school to get your degree in any of this stuff. You just... That, I think that takes a big push. I know there's a ton of people in our industry who, who do it, but I, I'm always impressed by it, just taking the initiative to be like, I'm gonna learn this stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, there's a huge world out there of resources and people to ask. Um, you know, I, I go back and forth every day of like, oh my gosh, should I go back to school? Is that something I wanna do? But that's a huge departure from where I'm at. And I think my, um, my role in life is probably to be a communicator and explain these things, you know, get people caught up to speed, translate the, the, the code and the complexity into here's why it matters. So I don't think I need to go back all the way to do that. <laughs> I love okay. it so much that, you know, we don't have that in other industries, right? You, you don't want like a self-taught ophthalmologist. No, no, I, right? no, I do not. So, like, so I, I so love that about our industry that you can just, you can just figure it out. Anybody can join. <laughs> I don't know. I might be willing to roll with a self-taught ophthalmologist, but enter gastroenterologist, I might draw the line sure. or, you know, osteo. Um, so, so Anne, you talking about, you know, um, simplifying and communicating is a, is a perfect segue because as I said, I, I had looked at all the news coming out of OpenStack Summit. It sounded like a really exciting summit. And what I kept seeing again, though, was kata, 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 kata. Like everything was about kata. And I thought, I haven't heard anything about this. Did a little reading, saw that it was about containers, but honestly, what I what I needed to know, what was my burning question was, OpenStack already has container projects. It has Magnum, it has Callout. How does this differ? What does it bring to the table? And is it 
an OpenStack project or a completely separate thing? Now, I may or may not already know the answer to some of that, but if you can explain it in layman's terms, that would be terrific. Absolutely, it, and it is a very confusing thing um, because Kata Containers was the first project for the OpenStack Foundation that we decided to host a project that was not the OpenStack project. So, okay. you know, clarification point number one, um, you know, we have like Nova and Cinder and Swift under the OpenStack umbrella. Kata sits over here with its own governance. It's not project number 61 out of 60 or, uh, it, it's completely independent. And that was a departure and a change in the strategy of the foundation and what we've been up to. So I think it, there's there's room for continuous explanation on that one. So different communities. So if you're contributing to OpenStack, you're not necessarily part of Kata. Completely different. Um, you know, even down to a lot of uh, OpenStack is managed on Garrett. We use GitHub and Kata. Um, just different people coming from various backgrounds, folks from Microsoft, folks from Google. Um, you know, non traditionally non OpenStack contributors are part of the Kata community. Interesting. So why did the foundation? agree to bring Kata in and what, 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 how is that relationship good for both parties? Yeah, so you know, I think um, OpenStack, we're, gosh, we're like eight years old at this point. Um, and the thing that we've been seeing, the trend we're seeing is it's about integration at this point. We have the OpenStack platform pretty hammered out. It's mature. We're adding things that support emerging use cases. Um, but we're, the place that open source needs to go next is about integration. And, I think that's we're seeing things like that in the Rocky release where, for example, the Zoom team, uh, which is a containers project, needs to actually land a patch in the Kubernetes community to finish the feature that they want to do for the OpenStack Rocky release. Mm. So integration is the place that we're going. And I think Kata, you know, we have um, those seven years of experience of managing a really large scale open source project and taking it from zero to mature and flourishing. And so Kata made sense as the next place for it to be housed. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for answering that. And I don't know if I took you off path from the original question was kind of, why was it such an emphasis of this last summit? Yes, so we had our 1.0 release, which I think you know is incredibly well received. And that's why you saw Kata, Kata, Kata everywhere. It, um, it threw me for a loop in the best way to find out that people were this interested in the project. So in KubeCon in December in Austin, we announced the intention of the project because where it came from was Intel Clear Containers and HyperSH's RunV technology. And um, to get back to your question, I think, Ali, you asked, like, what does Kata even do? So maybe I should back to pedal and start there. Um, so Kata is about uh, closing the loop on some of the security issues in containers right now. So one of the big ones in traditional containers is you have a shared kernel, and they're isolated by things like control groups and namespaces, some of the features of the Linux kernel that we use to isolate container workloads from each other. So if I have container A, Container B, um, C groups and namespaces are the basically the rules that give those permissions of what container A and B can and can't do. Uh, for a lot of folks, particularly people in enterprise environments, highly regulated environments, that's not enough for them. Uh, they, you know, we've gotten really excited about performance and portability of containers, but they say, ah, oh, I really need the security of a virtualization boundary. So for them, they were running containers in a full-blown VM, which takes you back to square one on the performance benefits of containers, all these great advancements that we make, kind of takes those away. So Kata was about solving that. Uh, Intel Clear Containers, that project, and HyperSH's RunV project were both working on this problem, and they were realizing they were kind of coming to the same solution. Um, you know, they found, oh, we're, we think this, the thing to do here is um, that hardware-backed isolation boundary that we get from virtualization. So rather than do it independently on these two tracks, 
we're going to donate the code to the OpenStack Foundation, do it under one project, and it's going to be open sourced. So we announced that in December. And from December until the Tuesday of the summit, we were working on this 1.0 release. And Tuesday was wow. like, here it is. We did it. At least, at least 1.0, we got that out the door. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, I'm not using containers on the regular, but Pete, I, I'm certain that you are. Is that yeah. a problem you've run across where the abstraction layer that's being created there by a VM is, is causing performance lag and you're going, gosh, I, this is enough that I wouldn't want to use containers? Or Well, it, it, I, I think it depends on who you ask. Um, I'm, I'm old enough to remember having an argument in my mid-20s with uh, IT ops people about whether or not the JVM was creating a big enough overhead that it was going to impact performance. So like we've been having these arguments in terms of what what additional performance overhead does a layer of abstraction, whether it's containers, the JVM or a hypervisor, or whatever it is, we keep having the same argument over and over again, right? And I think what what's what's interesting about the way that that, that Kata does this, and, and Anne, correct me if I'm wrong, from the diagrams that I've seen from the, some of the things that you've written, there's not a hypervisor per se there, the way that there is in a traditional you know, if I was doing this on like traditional Nova or whatever, right? So can, can you talk about some of the nuance of, of, of how the, the combination of clear containers and, and run V kind of get around some of those abstraction issues to, to still give you decent performance? Yeah, so actually we do have a hypervisor and um, we use QMU and that's packaged in Kata. So ah. yeah, so that's all part of the Kata containers. That's when you say Kata runtime, um, that's, that's okay. Uh, but I think where the lightweight aspect really comes from is the, you know, the stripped down VM we've made as lightweight as possible. The big thing that people get really excited about, uh, which is like the, the mega nerd secret sauce, one of the things is that what we've done to the kernel. Um, so it's not really appropriate even to call it a mini kernel because it is still a full Linux kernel. It's just been stripped down to the capabilities we only need to make Kata containers happen. So each container has its own VM and its own kernel, I should add, is where that came in. Um, so that's where we get some of the getting back that container performance is from the uh, the edits we've made there. So if I have if I have a let's say a Docker image that I'm running on one of those guys, what what OS does my does my image think is underneath the hood there given that custom kernel? Yeah. Um, so what are we running right now? It's a great question. Oh, Pete, maybe you've stumped me. <laughs> I mean, is it a is it a common flavor of Ubuntu or is it Debian or is it just I mean, because to some people, I'm I'm typically not one of those people that that matters to, but but to some people yeah. that does matter, and it and it kind of leads me to you know, there's a traditional bias in the container world towards the Linux runtimes as opposed to something that that's running Windows. Yeah, I do I do believe right now with 1.0 we're running Linux. Um, I know the intent of Kata is to have all these pieces be pluggable. And so I think that's one of the places that we are looking at in the future to be included in that list of what can people say, specify, I want this to be that. Okay. So, so one of the things that you and I went back and forth on in prep for this was that any new technology wave, security always lags, right? We saw this with, with public cloud adoption. We've seen it, we you know, saw it old school with, with the JVM reference that I brought up before. So it's interesting that you guys are kind of taking an older model where the security has already been solved and trying to apply it in this new way. So is that are are you finding are you finding skepticism there? Or are you finding that people are embracing that because it's it's based on a proven method of solving the security part of this problem? 
I think people are really excited about it. Um, you know, there's sort of two camps of folks who already are very well versed in C groups and namespaces and and how much containers actually really do contain versus not and what your options are there. Sure. And when you say to them, here's the solution we have, it's no brainer, like, yes, sign me up. Where, you know, where do I send my money? <laughs> like that's <laughs> they're very excited about it. Um, I think the interesting thing to me to your point about security always lags is folks who are, you know, they're familiar with containers, they're running them, but when the, when someone comes up and says, hey, maybe these containers don't contain exactly the way you think they do, when that's news, um, it, it is kind of a little, it's a little alarming. <laughs> um, and that's the group that I think we have some education to do around about what, what do these systems you have do and don't do? And what do you maybe need to look at hardening? Sure, sure. Because that was certainly my, when I, when I started to prep for this and started to read some of the things you wrote, it was, well, typically when people think of containers, it's the, how can I get more iterations out of my headcount because now I have microservices and I can turn the crank on my release model more quickly. You tend to think of the speed access aspect of it and you don't think about the, okay, well really how secure is that, you know, using the kernel parameters to do my resource separation. Um, and it, 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 if anything else, even if you don't, you know, even if you're a developer that doesn't buy into how Kata solves the problem, it doesn't make that problem go away. It certainly highlights it in a way that, that at least forces you to think about it in, in a way that maybe you didn't before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a huge umbrella that we can just put under the problem of hardening isolation boundaries. And there's tons of solutions that I expect to crop up under that umbrella. Um, Kata is going to be one of them. And anything that we can do to have people go back, even if Kata is not the right solution, but go back, like you said, and look at, are these as hardened as I think they should be for what workloads I'm doing and you know what regulatory environments I might be in? Um, that, that's a good thing. No, absolutely it is. Now, now, let me ask you something not quite as technical, just about how the teams have worked together. Because the other thing, when you start reading about this, a little bit. It reminded me very much of the genesis of OpenStack, where it was NASA and Rackspace coming together with different pieces to ultimately create what we now know as Swift and Nova. What 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 has been your observation about the working relationship between the, the two teams and figuring out who's going to be responsible for what? And hey, we both have this candidate for solving this one problem. Who's going to win? And typically in the OpenStack world, that goes through some sort of committee and voting kind of thing. And there's politics involved with that and all that kind of fun stuff. So how have you seen sort of the team in their action? I mean, it must have gone pretty smoothly given how quickly you turned around from idea to uh, a 1.0 release. Yeah, overall, it did go pretty smoothly. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the team and everyone was very committed to the concept and what we were working on. And I think that drove us through those rough patches of, you know, the storming, norming, forming or whatever order they're in. Um, we did all that, <laughs> and you know we did it with very odd time zones. Of we we had a very globally distributed team. Um, Hyper SH, most of them are based in China, and then we had various Intel groups all over the globe, and then we had anyone who wanted to come along for the ride. Because in sure. December we said this is now open source, so we had a lot of late nights, early mornings, depending on you know where you live in the world. Um, but it really was, I think the the commitment to what we what we want to do here and the passion behind it that got us through all those little iterations of how are we going to build this, you know, to your point, um, we figuring out where were we going to start was a huge question that held us up for a long time because we knew once we had a list of like, this are the, these are the features that are coming from clear containers. These are the features that are coming from run V, but then we had to start somewhere. Like you have to start throwing things against some sort of wall and we didn't really know which one that should be. Sure. Uh, 
So that those were a lot of long conversations of figuring out what's going to be the best place to do this. And then once we got that going, the rest was pretty darn smooth, all things considered. Now, logistically, did, did you did the whole team assemble in person at the prior OpenStack Summit? So you got some of those so teamwork kind of things, or was it like genuinely distributed kind of thing? Yeah, it, it really was. It didn't dawn on me until um, OpenStack Summit Vancouver, where a lot of people were meeting for the very first time in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, just you know, the timing and events and global travel. We didn't. A lot of people did not have the opportunity to meet each other, each other until Vancouver after the 1.0 release had already been out the door. Sure. Well, the thing I love about a distribute that a model that's that that's that distributed is you can go to bed and like put in a ticket for somebody or make a comment in a, you know, in a chat room or whatever, and you wake up the next morning and somebody's fixed it, right? I mean, that's you, you get to when you get the follow the sun model right now like that. When you're that distributed, it can actually that's when it starts to be sort of hyper beneficial and you kind of get over the knee of the curve when, when you're taking advantage of that 24 hour cycle. And it sounds like you guys did a marvelous job of that to get that quick turnaround time. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's really kudos to that. We had about uh, 40 contributors or so on the project and kudos to them for being the ones that were up every night doing it or morning. You know, it's funny and not to derail, but I just listened to a Ted talk a couple days ago that talked about the power of really, um, high-performing teams and why do they why do they perform so well I think it's called something about not letting the pecking order get you down or whatever and and what it was getting at was when there's there's large group when they're trying to figure out which groups are going to perform people generally assume it's going to be the group that has the largest number of superstars and it turns out in the studies they did they've done they found out that's not the case at all in fact it's exactly the opposite the superstars will kill each other and, and literally in an experiment they did where they put super chickens together to see which would produce the most eggs it didn't work out because the chickens all pecked each other to death. Uh, they were super competitive and they only succeeded when the rest of the chickens failed. And they took this average pack of chickens and they, in the end, clearly did much better because they were nurturing each other. They were together for a long time. And they found that that's what makes great groups perform well is if they, if they get to nurture each other, if they get to know each other, if they get together and have beers on the regular, if they care about each other's families, if they have a stake in the other's success, then perfectly ordinary groups can achieve ordin you know, extraordinary things. It was a really cool talk. I recommend you know, anybody listening to check it out or either of you guys to check it out. Um, I think if you um, put super chickens in the <laughs> search bar, <laughs> it'll come up. And, uh, and the example she used was um, you know, as far as like looking at an impossible task, which I don't know if your task was impossible, but it certainly seems like it was formidable, was, um, was getting those Chilean miners out. Remember when those guys got trapped in the mine and they only had enough food for two people for 10 days. And there were 70 guys trapped under there for, no, there was 30 guys trapped under there for 70 days. And it was under the hardest rock. There was no equipment that could drill through that. And they're like, we're, we're never going to get them. But they pulled together this group. Nobody was allowed to be the super chicken. And, and they figured it out. They did something I thought was impossible. So there we go. So you're spot on, Ali. If you if you Google super chickens, the first result that comes up is <laughs> Margaret Heffernan's uh, TED Talk, Forget the Pecking Order at Work. Nice. Thank you for thank you for checking my work. I appreciate it. Real time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that brings me back to um, you know, I don't want to derail again, but Anne, when you were talking earlier about this, what it what Kata does, is there an industry or a vertical that it's targeting or a vertical that has already started picking picking it up. I mean, when I think of somebody wanting more performance, I think of the financial industries, you know, where they have very little tolerance for lag. 
and they love bare metal and, and they want that kind of stuff. Is, is there an industry that this is targeted to? I think that's one of the joys of what we've built is, you know, it's universally applicable. So we think about what, what are the projects that's going to live under that hardening isolation boundary umbrella. Um, the solution we built is universally applicable. That said, I think the first people we're going to see adopt it are probably going to be um, people in public cloud environments, you know, where you maybe want to isolate the untrusted code, people doing SaaS or maybe even containers as a service model where I have these two mutually untrusting people, I want to isolate them. And then to your point, finance, finances, anything highly regulated, they have those kind of heightened security requirements. Those are my three bets of who's going to pick it up first. Cool. And is anybody trying to monetize it yet? I know with OpenStack, there was certainly, I worked for one of the many, many companies that was, that was uh, trying to make a buck on it. And um, I, I have to imagine there'll be companies trying to do the same with Kata. Yeah, I think there's a couple, uh, you know, some eyes in the wings, uh, checking it out, seeing seeing where it goes. We're just at 1.0, so we haven't had any, you know, hard hard offers yet. Right. Um, but I think there are people who, who it, they're interested. I think the thing we'll probably, I'd like to hope we see soon, is that it's going to be rolled into some distros. That's that's where I think right. we'll probably see it first. There there was a there was a hint of a, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you vibe today. <laughs> but. I picked up on that as well, Pete. All right. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I don't I don't want to speak for others, so we'll <laughs> I could maybe drop some hints, but hmm, then we no more podcasts. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't want that. I guess. Yeah. Geez. Um. Well, if if I can change gears a little bit, I I always like to ask. I mean, we we always ask the question about how'd you get into tech. I, I want to go back one job as well, especially given your. Given the, the the conversation we had at the beginning of this, where you talked about being self-taught, you you in your previous role prior to getting involved with Kata wrote a lot about OpenStack careers and how to get started. And, and given that you kind of went through that learning curve yourself, you know what 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 should people know about getting started and or getting certified or sort of finding jobs out there in the in the OpenStack community? Yeah, well. Um... Let's start with getting started. Well, let's start with getting started. Then we'll start with getting certified. Uh, so I think the biggest thing, you know, I, I always encourage people to be unafraid to accidentally burn your machine down. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, sometimes people just need to kind of tap it and you're, I'm, I'm scared and I'm not sure what this is going to do. Just put it in virtual box and go for it. Just, you know, um, you have to be a little unafraid and just give it a try. I think the, the biggest thing is we have an incredible community of really kind and helpful, welcoming people. And I think people forget that you can just pop on IRC and say, hey, project team, I have this question. Um, you know, think, come with all your information, have your, this is what I've tried, this is what I'm interested in learning, this is where I need some help. But people are really willing to help. It's one of my favorite things about the OpenStack community is um, I think we've got one of the friendliest welcoming bunches out there. Cool. So that's a big one. And then certification, that's exactly where part of the COA, OpenStack certified Certified OpenStack Administrator program came from was realizing that there's a lot of people out there either self-taught or transitioning from a different platform into OpenStack, and they needed some sort of stamp to say, yes, I, I learned these things all the right way, and I can absolutely do them. Uh, so if that's you and you're coming from somewhere else, that the COA is a, um, it's very much testing the fundamentals. So if you're coming from somewhere else, that's a great way to say, I've got this figured out. I can run your OpenStack cloud. Cool. Cool. Hey, you talking about that? I, I'm sure some of that stuff goes on at the summit. Although I believe you split the summit split a couple of years ago, right, into a more developer focused event and the more marketing focused event. Is that right? A little bit. Um, the summit is still for developers, users, marketing vendors. It's still for everyone. But we took the development 
very specific parts of the development work out and put that in what we call the project teams gathering. That's what it is. Yeah, so we had the design summit was where the users gave feedback to the developers. Developers were then supposed to go work on it and kind of, we had about 48 hour period, 24 hours, 48 hours that was assigned to that and it just simply wasn't enough time. Mm. So now we have those developer and user discussions at the forum part of the summit and then they go to the PTG project teams gathering and they get to work there. So that was the split that we had about two years ago. All right, so at the summit you just had, I mean, obviously we talked about kata, 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 uh, but, but what else was hot there? What was exciting? What um, trends were you seeing or, um, sorry, um, anything along those lines? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing gets back to something I was saying earlier about integration and the um, diversity of the open source communities that were there. It's It was no longer just OpenStack. And I think a couple of people called it out of like, this is, this is a summit about anything open infrastructure. You know, we had like 50 or so sessions about Kubernetes. There was a whole wall that had tons of projects that were represented in some aspect of the summit throughout the week. Um, and that's really where I think things are going is it's, you know, OpenStack and, and figuring out I have these two projects, that corner where they meet and how am I gonna solve for that? That's the next place we're gonna see at the summits. That's really, really exciting. Um, last, uh, I had spoken to someone else um, about OpenStack. We had someone on the show a few months ago, and they had talked about an increase in kind of telecoms adopting it and um, service providers. Is that trend still alive? Yeah, I think it's still alive and kicking. Um, you know, they had the Open Dev event, uh, was that, oh gosh, maybe about a year ago in San Francisco. Um, and that one was, that Open Dev was focused on Edge. And a lot of that was driven by telecom and NFE and you know, folks in that um, vertical thinking about where are we gonna go next with OpenStack and is OpenStack prepared to do this? And we saw a lot of those conversations continuing. And I think they, they put out a new Edge white paper out of that open dev group that was released at the Vancouver Summit and they're, they're just growing. It's a very strong use case for them and it fits their needs very well. Why, why is that? Why is it so interesting to them or so useful to them? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think part of it is um, here you're getting downtown Seattle, Sire. <laughs> we are, uh, we're getting some color. The risks we take with urban podcasting. Um, yeah, you know, I think it just, it fits their needs very well from being a modular project, being an open source project. Um, it's something that they say, you know, I have this need for, uh, I'm transitioning into, you know, 5G and how is this going to support it? And they can drive that direction. They can make that happen in the model. Right. So I think for a lot of them, that's very appealing. Yeah. I can see how that would be the case. And the risks of suburban um, podcasting, I believe, are chihuahuas at uh, Pete's yeah. house. Chihuahuas and, at my house. <laughs> uh, gardener and children at my house. It's really, it's, it's the same. <laughs> it's just my, my, the sirens at my house sound different than the sirens at Ann's house. It's really. Yours have ears. Mine have ears and are relentless. <laughs> So Pete, I know I took us off in a different direction, but what other questions did you have uh, cooked up for Anne that I may have? Modeled? You know, I guess what I want to wrap with is, I mean, the nice thing about the nice thing about OpenStack is it has this real regular release schedule, and and the summits are regular as well. So what what should people know about either either Kata in particular or about OpenStack in general about what's going to be coming in the, the Rocky? Or I guess we just had the Rocky type. I'm getting confused. I guess Rocky's next, right? Rocky is next. So what what do what can we what can we expect in that time frame in, from from either one of those perspectives? Yeah, well, good thing to clarify here um, to what we were talking about at the beginning. So Kata is on its own release schedule. So Kata is not part of the Rocky release. Ooh, rebel! And, 
Yeah, I know it's it's confusing, and actually, our, our release schedule is a little uh, TBD at this point. We're we're still finding our way. We're the young children in the crowd. Um, but for OpenStack, the Rocky release, I think we're going to see some really interesting things about you know Queens started to take us into that realm of I had users telling me this is what they're now using OpenStack for, and I'm going to figure out how to support that. Uh, we're seeing the continuation of that in Rocky. So we're going to see things um, like minimum bandwidth allocation. So from the Neutron project with help from Nova, if someone says, this is my minimum bandwidth that I need, something like a streaming provider, for example, mm -hmm. the Nova scheduler is going to know how to um, select a host that'll satisfy that. Um, I was mentioning a little bit about the Zune team and containers. So what they're working on is containers on demand for OpenStack clouds. Um, and that's happening via Kubernetes. So they need to go land a patch in virtual kubelet in the Kubernetes community to then get their Zune work done for Rocky. So I think that's a really interesting one. Uh, another big one is a new project, Chingling, uh, that's with a Q. So Q-I-N-L-I-N-G, um, Chingling. But uh, that's function as a service for OpenStack clouds. So if you want to drop the serverless buzzword, there's your spot to do it. Um, but it's providing that, you know, that functionality to people running OpenStack clouds. Pete likes serverless. I do. I was I I I was afraid to ask that question, and you went ahead and answered it before I could get it out. <laughs> There's your serverless project to go check it out. Yeah. Nice. Okay, I will. See, I I knew I would learn something and get refreshed on some of my my OpenStack, and now I know even if I have to watch the playback to know how to spell it. <laughs> hey, where's the next one? The next summit, Ann? Uh, Berlin. Berlin in November, November 13th through 15th. And I think actually uh, we opened the CFP a little early this cycle. So, you know, if people are feeling inspired post Vancouver or in the next few weeks, uh, CFP for Berlin is open. Nice. That is exciting. Anything else you want to ask, Pete? I, I'm feeling no, like we're hitting, we're hitting the I, end of our time. Yeah, I think I'm good. Cool. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being with us. Um, yeah, if if folks want to want to follow you on Twitter, I know that you're entertaining because you post about bike stuff and um, little animals sometimes. Um, what's your handle? Yeah, it's why hi Annabelle. Why hi Annabelle? Just the letter W H Y. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's why come by and say why hi. Why hi? And will you be speaking anywhere? Is there anywhere else we can um, follow you and see what shenanigans you're up to? Ooh. Um. I'm going to be kind of hanging out at other conferences quite a bit this conference season in summer and fall. Um, haven't figured out all of my speaking slots, but uh, if you go to katacontainers.io, that's where we keep kind of a running list of all the things going on. So you can catch myself or someone else from the Kata community if you have questions or need stickers, because everyone needs stickers. Of course we do. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again. I've totally enjoyed speaking with you, and I will definitely look for you uh, at the uh, event circuit. And, uh, and hope to catch up on, on bike racing, among other things. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.